0: I think knowing who you are as a person definitely comes into play here. If you have a vision and you've conducted the market research necessary to deem your idea potentially successful, all you really have to do is believe in yourself. I know that sounds super cliche, but I'm telling you, um, for me, I have this tunnel vision, right? So that everyone and everything that doesn't have to do with my ultimate goal is in my peripherals. And that way I'm able to focus on my goal. I don't think about, you know, the potential of failure. Like am am I nervous? Totally, totally. We all are. It's totally okay to be nervous.
1: Hey friends, I'm Gloria Chow, small business PR expert, award-winning pitch writer, and your unofficial hype woman. Nothing makes me happier than seeing people get the recognition they deserve. And that starts with feeling more confident to go bigger with your message. So on this podcast, I will share with you the untraditional yet proven strategies for PR, marketing, and creating more opportunity in your business. If you are ready to take control of your narrative and be your most unapologetic and confident self, you're in the right place. This is the Small Business PR Podcast. All right, everyone, if you've ever wanted to get into a gift guide or maybe wondering what a journalist's inbox looks like, today we have Jessica Toscano. She is the editor and founder and creator of Intrigue Mag. She's also written for some of the most top-tier outlets such as Cosmo, Men's Health, Self Magazine, Shape, you name it, she's probably done it. She's an all-around media and content expert. So thank you for being here and answering our questions. I'm so thrilled you're here.
0: Thank you so much, Gloria. I'm so excited to be a part of this.
1: So you've written for so many of the, like all of the cool lifestyle, wellness um, outlets, and you also have your own uh, publications. So you have been on both sides of pitching. You've received pitches and you're also pitching yourself. So can you tell me a little bit about what that experience has been like for you?
0: Yes, absolutely. So It's a little bit different if you're pitching an editor versus reviewing a pitch from a PR rep or from somebody who's starting their own business. So for me, when I am pitching an editor, I wanna make sure that my tonage and my style and my voice matches their publication. I wanna make sure that the subject matter also matches something that they would typically feature. And I wanna make sure that the pitch is timely. And it it is very similar for pitches that I'm receiving but the difference is I'm pitching an article idea versus receiving a pitch for a product or a a wellness resort or something along those lines. So you wanna make sure if you're the one doing the pitching for a product or for a service or something along those lines that you're including backup information such as the benefits of your product or any studies that have been recently conducted that show the benefits of your product or why your product is important or relevant. And, um, that that's going to be the main focus versus an article idea.
1: Now you get pitched all the time. I want to know what your inbox looks like. You must get tons of crazy emails. Do you actually read emails?
0: <laughs> so I read, I, at least I try to read every single email. I try to respond whether I'm interested or I'm not interested. And I would say I get anywhere between 50 and 100 emails a day, which I guess wouldn't be a lot in comparison to some editors who've been in the industry far longer than I have, but it it definitely feels like a lot when I'm going through them. So when I'm receiving pitches, I definitely am looking for something that's super concise, straight to the point. Otherwise, I'm likely not going to read the whole thing nor retain the information.
1: Yeah. I I love that. I'm all about making it easy for the person who's reading the email to know exactly what the pitch is. We'll definitely go into subject lines in a little bit, but I want to just focus on the fact that, so you do have a crazy inbox, but you do read your emails. So just because you don't respond doesn't mean you haven't read it, right? Correct. Yeah. Now let's actually go into like how you organize it because Someone might be sending you a story you might be interested in. It might not work for you right now. How do you go back and like, find them again?
0: So my inbox is a little chaotic. And I know that this is super unorthodox. But I actually will go back and put my email, the email of interest, back to unread so I know to go back to it, almost as if like I haven't read it at all. And I'll even star it if it's something that I think that I could potentially use in the near future.
1: Now, how many of the pitches that actually lead to somewhere are sent via email versus a phone call or a text or on social media?
0: So me personally, I never want anybody to pitch me via phone call or via text. That that would just get too crazy. So... Email is the preferred method. I've had a few PR reps reach out to me via LinkedIn, and I think that's actually really smart because you're letting me know, hey, I'm here. I'm also going to send you via email, but I just wanted to send a quick intro and let you know that you can expect this from me. I also w- wouldn't mind that on social media as well, but I would save the pitch, the actual pitch, for email. Just send me a quick message. Hey, just want to introduce myself. I have this client that I think that. Would be perfect for you, X, Y, and Z reasons, and then follow up with me via email for sure.
1: Yeah, I love how concise and to the point it is. It's not this whole autobiography, intro, all this stuff, right? So, how long would you say, ideally, the best pitches? How many sentences? How many paragraphs?
0: I would keep it to no more than eight to 10 sentences. So, just a few paragraphs. Uh, I just want to know the basics. What are you pitching me? Why is it relevant? Has it been featured in any other publications? I, I don't know if any other editors look for that, but that's something I definitely look for because it gives me an idea that, okay, you know this could potentially be trending right now. or you know, this to- this particular product or this particular service is of interest to other audiences. Let me review it to see if it could be of interest to mine. Um, outside of that, any studies that have been conducted that will help prove your point, or um, hyperlinks back to the website, the company website. That's super important because if I'm interested in the pitch, I definitely wanna go back to the company website and I wanna review it further. You know, I wanna see, okay, is this potentially something we can use? If it's a product, I'm gonna look at ingredients. I'm gonna look at any studies that have been conducted and featured on the website. I'm gonna to look to see the About Me page and you know about the organization, if they have a really awesome backstory, things of that nature.
1: Yeah, I love that so much. Literally everything you said, Jessica, is like what I teach in my PR masterclass. That's amazing. So hyperlinks over, over attachments, right? Because sometimes it can trigger your spam filters. How do you feel about attachments?
0: I'm not a big fan of attachments, to be honest. I usually don't read them. And if they do end up in my inbox, most of the time it's a press release and the pitch tells me everything i need to know it's just you know additional information and if i want additional information if i'm interested i'm going to reach out to you regardless
1: i love it so you've given us such detailed information about eight to 10 sentences keep it super concise and hyperlinks over attachments what about founders who are listening right now and they say I have an incredible product. I just don't have the budget to get a really fancy website. Do you care if the website doesn't look like super jazzed up?
0: The website is actually a really big thing for me because it shows me, well, it, it shows me a couple of things. It shows me who you are as a professional. So I am somebody who has built several websites. I, I'm not familiar with HTML coding. Um, I, I haven't had a big budget, so I know that it really doesn't require too much other than some time and effort. So if, you know, I go on your website and it shows a lack of dedication, that's already telling me what type of professional you are and the effort you probably put into your product. And immediately I'm I'm disinterested.
1: Right. So you're saying it's not about how fancy it is, but it has. So maybe like a good story or an about section? Like, can it be just kind of plain without anything, but it has a great story?
0: Yeah. So sorry if that was confusing. So it doesn't have to be anything like super advanced. If it has the basic information there, you know, it shows that you put in effort to explain your backstory, your really awesome backstory, and you have pictures of your product or your, your service or the location that you're trying to show off. That Those are all key features You want to include as much information as possible in as concise of a way as possible. And if you have a specific look to your brand, I definitely say reflect that via your website because you want consistency. You want your brand to stand out, you know, to be able to go onto your website and say, oh, okay, like for me, that's what Intrigue looks like. You know, Intrigue's website matches the business cards, which matches, you know, merchandise and whatever else.
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's really marketing 101. I love how you just reminded us. It's not about how fancy it is, but it's the consistency and how strong your brand voice is. So I love that. Now, um, I want to talk about subject lines. I'm like so focused on subject lines in my PR community because we know that if your subject line is not good, it's just not the email is not going to get open. So can you talk to me about subject line best practices?
0: I think one of the things you really want to think about when you're creating a subject line is... If you're going to go onto a publications website or you're going to open up a magazine, what interests you? What type of subject is going to stand out to you and make you think, huh, I want to read this article? Same idea. So keep it super concise. You don't want to have a huge subject line. I've, I've gotten pitches that are like 12 plus words long and I'm like, okay, I, I already lost interest. Like I, I'm not going to sit here and read all of that. You also don't want to include words like media inquiry, media opportunity, timely resources they're filler words. They're not telling me anything about your pitch. And it's in in my opinion, it's a waste of space. And one thing that I definitely would avoid is sending a pitch to someone that is out of their scope, out of their realm. So I've had people reach out to me about, you know, children's education, for example, I'm a health and sexual wellness writer. That's not of relevance to me at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's it's like do your research people. Come on, it takes like one second. And you can can do research so easily on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and just do a a quick Google search. Um, So let's say we got past the subject line. We got your attention. Now there is an email. Are there any do's and don'ts? I know you told me eight to 10 sentences. Is there anything else that founders can do to make their pitch stand out from the crowd?
0: So one thing I definitely recommend is anytime that you can include a list, so any sort of bulleted list, 100% 100% absolutely go for it. It's easy on the eyes. You're giving me information up front that is super important to know. You know, like um, maybe you're gonna put a statistic for one of the bullets. And then in the next bullet, you're gonna list key ingredients in the product. That is all super helpful information and it's not overwhelming to the eyes because it's not all these bulky sentences and paragraphs and it's still conveying the information that you need to convey.
1: Oh my gosh. I love it. You're validating like everything that I say in my PR community. So thank you for that. I love bullets. (laughs) I I love threes. What is a good tone or way to kind of close the email that's not an energy of begging, but it's also like a strong ask?
0: One thing that I really do think is important, especially if you're pitching a product, is offering to send samples or high-resolution images. Please let me know if you're interested in receiving a sample or a high resolution image. And that's basically saying to the person, I'm really serious about, you know, getting this product into your publication. Definitely consider us. We're going to do everything we possibly can to make it worth your while. So it's worth checking out.
1: I love that. Okay, so so that could be very simple. Now, what about if they don't have a product? What if they're a wellness educator? How would they go about offering that to you?
0: I would recommend any time that you can put any sort of background in there. So, if there's like a short video clip or something fun that they can click back to, an editor can click back to that's not going to take too much time. That way, they can get an idea for like the wellness expert's personality or the, you know, is there a 3D video of what, you know, um, a resort looks like? Something like that that's fun and still shows the editor kind of firsthand almost what they're getting into, I think is super helpful.
1: Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, you really receive pitches from whether it's resorts or products or things like that. And I know a lot of our audience are trying to get into a guide, right? So best products, best something. Yeah. Do you have anything? I know you've I know you also worked on food and drinks guide. Yeah. Um, what is the best way to talk about um, your product in a way that's not like forcing you to include it, but is, is really convincing.
0: Okay. So the one thing I actually want to point out is what not to do. I've had a few companies reach out about their, their really awesome health products, you know, um, healthy snack bars, or this drink is better than soda. And then I go onto the website and I find out that it's misleading. They have ingredients in there that isn't quite sugar, but it's not quite great for you. Do not try to mislead your audience. That's one of, in my opinion, that's one of the worst things that you can do because us journalists, we're gonna do the research and we're gonna make sure that it's something that is in line with our audience. It's something that we are being truthful and honest about. So definitely be as honest as humanly possible. And that for me goes a long way. You know, if you honestly say in your pitch, oh, it's not sugar, but it's, you know, a little bit better and X, Y, and Z then I'm more likely to be like, okay, so this person was honest. Like, yeah, it, you know, it may not be as bad as sugar. And, that, and that's just an example. I'm not saying sugar is bad, but you know, it, it's a sugar replacement that isn't as bad as sugar, but it's still not great. But I'm being honest with you about it. Like th- that'll attract me for sure. And I might yeah. not be able to use it in like a health guide, but I might be able to use it, you know, somewhere else for people who are cutting out sugar, for example, you know, in another niche article.
1: Yeah. Now another question that comes to mind is, what if you have five or six products in your company? How do you know how do you know which one to pitch to get into a gift or a product guide?
0: I think it has a lot to do with relevance. So um, I'm going to use a company that I recently worked with as example. They introduced non-alcoholic beer, and a couple of the beers are perfect for summertime. You know, um, when you think of beer in the summer, you're thinking of Corona. It's light, it's crisp, it's refreshing. You're going to pair it with a lime. And this company happened to introduce a light lime non-alcoholic beer. I mean, they have, you know, like six or seven other flavors, uh, flavors, but they introduced that one because it, it's relevant with the season right now.
1: Yeah. So I love what you said about relevance, right? Because that's something that's so important in my pitching method is how to find that relevance. So do you have another example of someone that led with something that's relevant, even though they had all these other
0: things that they could have pitched? Sure. So during Christmas time and Hanukkah and um, just around winter time in general, there are a lot of holiday gift guides, right? Mm-hmm. And I had a company reach out about a blanket. Now they were advertising other items that they sold you know like throw pillows and I think they might have had I want to say socks at the time I I I can't remember because it was a while back but they they did have other things on their website but this fall fur blanket was super important because it's around wintertime. you know you're everybody has the heat on you're getting cold you want something that's going to warm you up. So what better way to show somebody that you care about them or that you're thinking of them than to get them like a really awesome, heavy-duty fur blanket that's comfortable, it's going to look pretty on your bed or on your couch.
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's so easy, right? It, it seems like product guides... And gift guides are kind of like low-hanging fruit that every founder should try at least once if they have something that's, that's a product. Um, I want to switch over to like the difference between a product-based pitch, like a gift guide or a product guide where you're talking about the actual product and a pitch that's more thought leadership, more about mindset, right? Maybe pitching their own backstory. So in your experience, like which pitch does better and like when should founders pitch like a personal background story versus like, here's my product?
0: That is actually a really awesome question. So I think it really depends on you and what you want people to see more of Do you or, or what your ultimate goal is. Do you want people to go onto your website? Do you want a lot of traffic and you want a lot of people buying your product? Or do you want to represent the fact that you are woman owned or, you know, you come from an Asian Pacific background or something along those lines? Like what is it that you're trying to highlight? And then I would go from there. And one of the things I would do from there is look at the type of publications that you want to pitch to. So for example, I know Allure does a lot of product features, but they also pitch a lot of really awesome backstories. And that's one of the things that attracts me to them because I know that, you know, a lot of their products i supporting you know a a local business or i'm supporting a small business or even you know a black owned business and to me as a consumer that's super important so you really want to hone in on your story your angle
1: yeah i love love that that so much now we are we have some we're wearing so many hats right a lot of the people in my community i would say 75 percent women of color uh first generation immigrants whether they're single moms so is it okay to kind of like have both those elements in a pitch. So talk a little bit about their backstory, but then also have it be very product focused, or do you think it should be two separate pitches for two different times?
0: Again, I think it really depends on your angle, but I do appreciate it when they're merged because the product itself might not immediately captivate me, but if you have your background story and for example, you're a minority, especially, you know, with everything going on right now, like Supporting minorities is super, super important. Then, yeah, include that. Definitely include that because they might make an editor go back and say, oh, wait, you know what? This didn't immediately captivate me because I don't think it's relevant right now, but I would love to include this in some way, shape, or form moving forward.
1: Yeah, I do love merging that as well, but I think that brings up another issue is length because then people get really tied up in the whole backstory. So how can they still walk that line of being very concise, but also talk about themselves and the product?
0: So the first time you write about yourself or you, you write you know, a bio or something along those lines, it might be a little lengthy because you want to be as detailed as possible. And I get it. We've all been there. But you can definitely go back and edit that a second time, edit that a third time, edit that a fourth time. And what I would do is have a certain goal. You know, I want to convey my story in this amount of words or this many sentences and see how many words you can cut out from your first draft so that you're still conveying all the important aspects that you want to convey. But it's not going to be overwhelming for whoever's reading it.
1: I love that. I I really think it's the true hallmark of a leader and founder if they've really done the work to like perfect their messaging, you know, it's chipping away at it one by one. I mean, I know for me, like the reason why I became, you know, teaching other people about pitching is because I've literally cold pitched like thousands of times and I'm still working on it. Right. So I think there's no better way to own your power and your story than practice that that pitching. And nothing wrong with PR agencies, but I think that exercise of finding clarity in your message is like super transformational.
0: So the difference between working with a PR rep and pitching from yourself or as yourself, I think, you have a strength in pitching as yourself because nobody knows your product, your company, your brand better than you do. And it's personable. So you're sending out the message that you want to send. You're not relying on anybody else to do that for you. So you really do want to take that time to to own it, basically. So exactly what you're saying. Absolutely.
1: Oh, I love that. Thank you for validating all of us. I think for a lot of things, it's we know that the founders in our community they are doing incredible things. It's just them getting over the fear of pressing that send button, you know, of just like sending it. So, how can you encourage our audience who are afraid, who think that they're going to be eaten up by journalists? How can you kind of tame their fears a little bit so that they can actually start practicing their pitch and pressing send?
0: Okay. So, I think knowing who you are as a person definitely comes into play here. If you have a vision, and you've conducted the market research necessary to deem your idea potentially successful, all you really have to do is believe in yourself. I know that sounds super cliche, but I'm telling you, um, for me, I have this tunnel vision, right? So that everyone and everything that doesn't have to do with my ultimate goal is in my peripherals. And that way I'm able to focus on my goal. I don't think about, you know, the potential failure. Like, am, am I nervous? Totally, totally, we all are. It's totally okay to be nervous, but don't focus on that. You want to focus on, you know, what if you are successful in this pitch? What if you are successful in your idea? Envision what you want your life to look like five years, 10 years down the line. So yeah, let's keep it five, 10 years. Let's keep it, you know, super close by because that's what's going to happen. If you envision that in five, 10 years, you can be where you want to be. You just have to ignore everything else.
1: Oh, you should be a motivational coach. (laughs) I appreciate that so much because I've worked with hundreds of founders and it's not about how much money they've raised or how many VIPs they know. It's what they believe is possible for themselves. And you just hit the nail on the head. It's all about you being in that place of who do I need to be? What do I need to show up as and not what are my current limiting circumstances? So thank you so much for that for reminding us of that. Now, Let's talk about if they do follow up. The worst that can happen is what? Like, what is the absolute worst thing if they like pitch and then it doesn't, it doesn't land?
0: So I'm gonna tell you the worst thing that can happen is not them responding and passing. It's them not responding at all. The reason why? If they responded and they told you we're not interested, you did something right. You did something right in your subject, in your pitch that they opened it and they read it. So take that as a good thing, not a failure. That's one of the first things I learned in my journalism career. If they don't answer though, doesn't necessarily mean they weren't interested. They could just have a crazier inbox than I do, and they might have just not gotten to it. Because I can't tell you how many editors that I've spoken to and they they know me. They don't answer my emails sometimes. And they're like, Jess, I'm so sorry. I'm not ignoring you. My inbox is crazy. So either way. Don't take it personally. It's not personal. They're not choosing to ignore you. Or, you know, if they are ignoring you, it's it's because they have to move on with their day. It's just, it's not personal. So don't take it as that.
1: Exactly. I mean, the upside to it is you get to learn or maybe get feedback, or maybe it's not a right now, but then later on you go into your inbox and do a search. So that's why I say that like knowing how to pitch on your own and not depending on an outsider is such a worthwhile exercise. And I, I'm so glad that you affirmed that, that you actually learned this in journalism school. Nobody taught me this. I just kind of figured it out by, like, by, by cold pitching. What are some of the other ways that founders who – Do not have an agency or don't have a big budget, um, how can they get through to your inbox?
0: Again, I, I would utilize social media. I would utilize probably whatever social media that specific journalist who you want to pitch to is most active on. And again, I wouldn't send the pitch via social media. I would send a quick message and say, hey, you know, this is who I am, this is what I do. I think that. This might be of interest to you because can i send you an email and keep it again super super concise you don't want more than i would say three four sentences max that way you're not overwhelming them they don't feel obligated to read this whole big thing and you'll likely get a response and end up in their inbox and they'll most likely read that email
1: Oh, I love that so much. Now, have you ever gotten multiple follow-ups and you didn't respond, but then a few months later, something happens in the news and then you actually go back and say, hey, are you available for a chat?
0: There are times where I do miss an email that it's a relevant pitch or it's a pitch of interest. And for whatever reason, you know, maybe I accidentally clicked on it. And so it was no longer, it no longer appeared as like unread in my inbox and yeah, like I, I reached out. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like I, w- I would definitely love to learn more or maybe, you know, it, it's not of interest at that time and I forgot to respond and I start it and I get a follow up and it's like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this. It wasn't relevant four months ago, but it's super relevant to me right now. And I, I will respond. So yes, hundred percent you need to follow up.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've never personally or in my community, I've heard of anyone getting written up about unless they followed up. I mean, especially if you get 100 pitches a day, just imagine. Now, you've given us so many gems. I hope whoever's listening that you come back to this episode because (laughs) Jessica dropped all the tips for us. So take notes. Before we go, though, I get a lot of questions about timing. So if you want to get into a gift guide, that's, you know, like an online publication, when should you pitch that? How far in advance? And is there such a thing as too late to get included in a gift
0: guide? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've had several PR 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 reps mainly um, reach out to me a week, a week and a half before you know a social media holiday or an upcoming holiday, and say, "Hey, I have this client for you." And I'm like, "That's great. Consider me for next year because I, I don't have time to, you know, uh, learn about this product, do the research that I need to research, and test it." To include it in an upcoming gift guide, so too late. Absolutely, I would rather have somebody reach out to me four months in advance than a week before we're getting ready to publish. That being said, <laughs> that being said, that there is such a thing as too early. You know, um, the way it works with digital is a little bit different with print. So for print publications, um, typically they're piecing together the publication four to six months in advance, depending on the publication. Whereas with digital, you can pitch something, you know, like a couple weeks before an article goes live and you can end up in that gift guide. You can end up in that lineup. So it's two completely different worlds. Um, I, I say it's worth pitching a week in advance anyway, but there's no guarantee ever. So to play it safe, I'd give it like two, three months. I think that's enough time to pitch, follow up, and send out whatever materials you need to send out.
1: That is awesome. So it's it's always better to be early, right? <laughs> just just keep pitching.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs>
1: Now tell us a little bit about Intrigue Mag. You've given us so much value here. How can people find you, learn more about what you're building at Intrigue Mag and what types of stories that they can pitch you? What are you
0: looking for? Yes, absolutely. So Intrigue Mag is the first digital unisex lifestyle publication. And we are looking for anything in self-care, sex and relationships, food, drinks, fitness, and health. And it would be super helpful if it's from a unisex approach, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And when I say that, I mean, if your product can be used on both men and women, but it's not specific to men and women, pitch me. Totally fine. And uh, our age group is 18 to 35. So anything in that realm is our target audience, but anything that can be used for anyone, we, we would love to hear about it.
1: Ooh, I love that so much. So we're gonna be looking out for you. I want to read. I'm very intrigued about intrigued.
0: <laughs> Actually, I get that a lot, and I'm not gonna lie, I kind of love it. <laughs>
1: okay, kind of corny, kind of corny, but well,
0: I did it. Thank you know- so much. How can people find you on social media? Yeah, so um, I am on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Ms. J. Descano. Okay. So please follow me. Reach out if you have any ideas. I would love to hear them. If you have any further questions, by all means, like that's what I'm here for. I would love to help you guys out.
1: I love you. I'm going to have to invite you for our member calls. We we do calls every quarter with journalists and it's in a small group setting where I invite you on as a a, kind of like a coach and we actually get to ask you questions in a small group setting and maybe submit pitches. So we're definitely going to try to get you on that call because I just feel like we just have so many founders who would just love to pick your brain. So
0: No, I absolutely love that real quick. Like, let me just tell you, um, a lot of what I learned in this industry was firsthand experience. And I, I love helping people because I, there's so much that I wish somebody would have told me when I first started out. And if I could be that person for somebody else, please, that makes me so happy.
1: Yes. We are cut from the same cloth and We have the same value-driven approach. So thank you so much for being on the show, Jessica. And uh, I look forward to reading about Intrigue.
0: Well, Gloria, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
1: Hey, small business hero. Did you know that you can get featured for free on outlets like Forbes, The New York Times, Marie Claire, Pop Sugar, and so many more, even if you are not yet launched or if you don't have any connections? That's right. That's why I invite you to watch my PR Secrets Masterclass, where I reveal the exact methods thousands of bootstrapping small businesses use to hack their own PR and go from unknown to being a credible and sought-after industry expert. Now, if you want to land your first press feature, get on a podcast, secure a VIP speaking gig, or just reach out to that very intimidating editor, this class will show you exactly how to do it. Register now at GloriaChowPR.com slash masterclass. That's Gloria Chow, C-H-O-U, PR.com slash masterclass. So you can get featured in 30 days without spending a penny on ads or agencies. Best of all, this is completely free. So get in there and let's get you featured.